Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is July 3rd, 2019. It is Relationship Wednesday. We're already on Wednesday this week. And today's show is something I never could have thought about. And when I did think about it, I thought it was a positive thing for a couple to feel things together, to do things together. And yes, doing things together is great. However, there are these little traps that happen where we aren't able to help each other in the way we really want to or to be a strength for each other and still be together in times of stress. There was an article that I read about secondhand stress. Think about this one for a minute. Secondhand stress, what does that even mean? It means that your partner is walking around and they come in. You're you're doing fine. You got home from work or you've been home and your partner comes home and they have a very sad look on their face and they look very stressed and almost like they, they just can't talk. You catch that. It's like a free floating tension. And then you catch it because we do something, and it's called mirror neurons. We see something, we respond to it, and the reason we do in the bigger picture is that's how we can emphasize. So remember yesterday when I was saying, if nobody can talk, just can't talk. We don't have language. And someone walks in like that. We'd automatically walk up to them. We'd put our hand on them. We'd look them in the eye like, hey, are you okay? And we would try somehow to make it better. And we do it by feeling with them what they feel. They feel understood. And maybe we could like kind of, you know, get through it. Either talk it through or you go for a walk or you do something. But what could you do that's better? Because those mirror neurons, they're they're called these complex cells that help us interpret the intentions and emotions of other people. But these neurons also trick our brains into instantly believing that we are making the same expression that they are. We create a corresponding emotion. And there's a name for that. And it's called emotion contagion. Same as like contagious, right? But those mirror neurons, they, they allow us a connection to tune into people's experience and be empathetic, be sympathetic, connect and bond. It creates all those things we are looking for when we don't feel so great. But how can we 
respond in a way that doesn't draw back to us as a couple. You know, that's something Maya Angelou said, and I, I never, ever forget it. It's like, when you know better, do better. And there's so many things we can do differently. I don't, wanna, I don't know about better yet, but differently than we have done. And it has changed the way I think about situations with couples. And as I go back to all the older couples I've known, people who've been married 40 years or more, believe it or not, people who don't make it to 40, a lot of people get divorced in the 30 to 40 year mark. It's a very weird thing. But once you've made it past that, and I think there's just some changes, kind of like there's a midlife crisis and then there's an older married life crisis. But certain issues that haven't been solved or couldn't be solved or addictions or other things that just become unbearable, once the kids are raised, which is usually between the the 30 and 40-year mark where they're out and they're completely on their own before you become grandparents in that period of time there there's a lot of wow they've been married 30 years what happened but it's it's the putting off of unresolved issues it's very interesting so i say 40 years or more they figured these things out But here's one of the traps. You say to yourself, wow, I'm not doing enough for my relationship. They come in, they need some kind of compassion, some kind of emotion, and it's really hard to keep up with their emotions and my emotions. Now, think about that because we emphasize our friends walk in. If they're upset, we, we coddle them. We give them love. We want to share some time with them. We want to give them time to talk. All of that happens. I remember one of my friends, her boyfriend broke up with her. We were both young. I was newly married and brand new to California, and, and I met her at my first job, and her boyfriend broke up with her. What did I do? I immediately called into work. I said, let me pick you up in a half an hour. She was crying so hard. And instead of being sucked into the crying, I said, we're going out for the whole day. Just trust me. And we got up and I I, I went to go pick her up and we went and stood in line to get tickets to see the Johnny Carson show, if anybody could remember Johnny Carson. That was my whole spiel. Every time someone came to visit me, I knew they didn't, yeah, I mean, of course they wanted to visit me, but there were things in California that were fun to do, and I figured them out then. And one was to see Johnny Carson, and then I had my favorite um, restaurant, and then Johnny Carson's a whole-day event. You go and get the tickets at like 7 o'clock in the morning. You get in line, 
they give everybody tickets, and then at 2.30 in the afternoon, you get in line again to get into the show, which doesn't start till 5.30 and tapes till 6.30, and then it airs at like, I think, I don't remember what time it aired here, maybe 11.30, it was like an hour after Chicago, and and we would do this, and so I saw Johnny Carson a million times, I even saw like Jay Leno when he took over, but the crazy thing was, that's what I did with her. And she's like, wow. And I thought, you know what? This is fun. Let's do something. I can't sit and deal with that much pain. I didn't know how to. And somehow something in me needed to deflect, but it helped us both. Because by lunchtime, once we got the ticket and you know, we got out of that first line and we went to go eat and I can't remember what we did in between that. And we got to talk. By then we've had movement. We've done something. We've had an experience behind us, even though it was one. It was a big one. And we were kids. But that's what we did. Same friends. Later on, I have a baby. She comes over to visit. She sits on the side of the couch. She starts crying. I go, why are you crying? And she says, I feel like I'm never going to get married or have a baby. Oh, my God, I love Nadia. And I'm listening. And I said, oh, stop that. By the time you have kids, my kids, will be babysitting yours. That happened. So what happened to my friendship with this girl? Well, we became lifelong friends. She was the first friend I made in California. So I met her now 34 years ago. Because we learned to trust each other by not allowing one or the other to fall apart. It never occurred to me to do that in a relationship. Because when you live with someone, you walk around wanting to always help. Because you're tied in. They come home. They're not... And you, when you start feeling like you're not doing enough for that person, it's interesting. What would be the solution to that one? What would you do? When you're in control, it's what you do with that feeling. And I don't mean control like Spengali control. I mean just in control of your day, your life, your feelings. And you catch the fact that you're thinking you're not enough. You're not doing enough. Chase away that tension. There's a way to do it. It's like circulating stress. Okay, here comes stress. And it's showing up and it wants to give me anxiety. Ego, ego, ego. Boom, boom, boom. And then there you are. You're noticing the anxiety. But you 
give it a positive skin spin. Like, yeah, you know what? I do care about this. And I am putting effort into it. This is my best effort. And reassure yourself, instead of accepting the feeling that you're not doing enough, that, hey, man, this is, this is my best effort. Turn it around. Because that I'm not doing enough, that happens on both sides. Both partners will feel that at some point. Because ego wants to come in and tell you something's wrong when nothing's wrong. And then we start nitpicking and complaining. Now, there are times when I do complain, when people get out of hand, when they start casting judgments, pointing fingers, insulting, you're going to lose me. Because now I know I can't talk back. You're on your track. You're not going to listen. You're not going to stop. It's going to keep coming up. And when things like that keep coming up and you cannot solve them, that's where I was talking about that 30 to 40-year bubble in a relationship. You're either going to kind of separate a little bit and come back together and run for the, the rest of the long haul or you're going to run away. And it all goes back to how we resolve issues. And this is true in every part of our life. But if you turn that around from I'm not enough to I have put my effort into this, I have given this time, I have thought it through, this is, this is my best. I don't know what else to do. And do you remember there was a song in the 70s, if my best isn't good enough? I can't remember the rest of the words, but it was basically saying, this is my best. If that's not good enough, I don't know what to give you and who died and left somebody else thoughts of your life where you have to answer to them. But in truth, you're not answering to them. You're answering to you. So you are the one who can say and chase that tension away with a compliment to yourself of this is my best effort. You can't give anyone more than that. Even if it might be the wrong answer to them, it is your best effort. I remember someone telling me, maybe that's all I have. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to be here. And I think, well, you never have to really be smart enough. You have to be loving enough. And that love, when they say love solves everything, it does solve everything when it's pure. One ounce, what did Christ say? One ounce of pure love or pure intent will overcome any obstacle. The other trap, I'm responsible for their feelings. That's borrowing trouble right there. How could you be responsible for anybody's feelings? Even your own kids, you cannot be responsible for their feelings. They are their own separate entity. 
but what can you do to make things better? What can you do to counteract feeling like if you don't make everybody happy, they're not going to be happy? You have to say, hey, wait a minute. Reel yourself in. How could I put on myself being responsible for somebody who I'm not with 24 hours a day? I don't know what goes through their mind. I can't see that or hear it unless they tell me. How could I be responsible for their own happiness when ultimately it's not my responsibility? So how do you counteract that? You have to go in and ask yourself, this question, what are my expectations of myself and where in there does it say that I am responsible for mankind? I know it sounds funny to say that, but that's putting it in perspective. I never met anybody till this day, myself included, that could make anybody happy. There were times I thought I did. There were times I bent over backwards to make people happy. All I wanted was people to be happy. And I would do it emotionally. I would do it physically. My house would be clean. My dinner would be made. I would be there if they needed me. I would be loyal. I would just, that was just who I was. And that was not enough. No matter how hard I did, no matter, I I didn't even think I was trying to get approval, but I ended up, because of the amount of disapproval, I started like Pavlov's dogs, wanting approval. And then one day I was like, holy cow, I am worn out. I am so tired. How could they not see that I care? How could they talk to me like that? Well, it's because I don't know what goes on in their heads. I took on a responsibility that wasn't mine. And neither was the answer. The real answer was, what do I need in my own life? And how do we collaborate that into the relationship? But me feeling responsible for others' feelings, what did I do? I put myself on the shelf over here. And I did everything for that person I could possibly do. And that wasn't enough. And I was left high and dry. Because I was young. I was raised to please. I was raised to be a wife and a mother. 
I was raised to be respected in my culture. I was raised to have a good reputation in my culture. And then no other direction. So I didn't have a plan B to trying to make people happy. I never thought about adding myself into the equation. It's like I lived my life separately over here where I didn't bother anybody with what I wanted or liked in life. And then that was my, my sideshow. I was my sideshow. And then the real show was serving everybody. I remember once being so weirdly feeling responsible for others' feelings that I went to this banquet, and I was an adult. And I was sitting at the table, and people were serving us. And I remember thinking in my head how I didn't want to be sitting there being served. I wished I was the one serving, bringing the food to the table, because I loved the warmth of serving people. Didn't matter if I was in a banquet hall or, but getting dressed and sitting there was the last thing I felt like doing, even though that would seem like the fun part. I wanted to be the one bringing the food. It's interesting. I never, ever learned to collaborate my expectations until way later in life. And way later in life, I'm talking about just within the past three or four years of my life. Not crazy. So ask yourself, are you collaborating your expectations or not? Are you including yourself in your relationship or not? Because if you're not, that feeling of not doing enough is really easy to have. And then one day you say, wait a minute, I had a huge hand in this lopsided relationship. I wanted to do everything for both of us. I thought I had enough love for both of us. We have to take into account each other's personalities, and we do need to collaborate our expectations in life. Not expectations like if you don't do this, I won't be here type of expectations. But just what do I want in my life? And is that being represented? Is my personality, what I want, need, feel in life, is that here? Because if it is, I can stay. Because if not, after a while, I'm going to miss myself. And I'm going to need the time to be whoever myself is. And then I'm going to go find myself. Isn't that crazy? How simple, but when you hear it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable when you start to hear these things. But we need to pull each other along, not stop at every port. Because when we grow, we thrive. And when we thrive, we stay. Think about that. Here's another trap. Their stress is my stress. 
their emotions are hijacking the relationship. Now, that's one thing if it happens here and there. Because you see, let's say there's an illness, a big illness, and it scares the heck out of both of you. Now you're both scared. Now what's going to happen? But if the healthy one starts to rewrite the story and say, hey, you know what? I can't help if I get sucked in. Let me do the things that this person can't do right now and let them know that things are still okay. And then this, we can, we can pay attention to it. Because if you both think and everything gets put off, the bills aren't paid, the house isn't taken care of, the kids are pawned off, whatever it is that ends up happening, now you're both going to be really, really inundated with a lot of stress. But taking the bull by the horns in the beginning, where the narrative changes, and you say, you know what, I'm not helping. Actually, it's really selfish to kind of get sucked in. Because now we're both in the same boat, and there's nobody to help us. Take a look at how important it is to be separate but together. How can you both be an asset to the relationship? Just like in the argument, focus on the relationship. And in stress, focus on the relationship. Is this best for the relationship? The other one, the other trap we get sucked into over and over again is when we can't say no to our partners because we feel like we're not being a good partner. But there's certain things we really just don't like doing. And it may take like a lot of time to do it or our interest isn't there so we're kind of half-hearted and the other person keeps saying, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah! I do. I want to do it. But if you'd rather do something else with that time, because we do have such little time and you already spend a lot of time together. And let's say one of you likes to golf and the other doesn't. Then those are your days to catch up. Those are your days to do something because that adds to the relationship when you both get to do something and not feel like you have to do everything together. Because it adds to the flavors of your day. You both bring something new back in, even if that new is just relaxation or a feeling of, wow, that felt good. We did something different today. Oh, what did you do? Who did you see? What did you talk about? You know, what happened? What did you eat for lunch? What did you eat for dinner? I know it sounds silly, but these things are huge. 
in the continuation of relationships, in the building of that thriving that we need. Many people from the outside may come in and try to get in to one or the other partner. Or when we have incidences of cheating or flirting or all these things that happen on the peripherals of relationships. When the thriving isn't there in the relationship, it would be easy to lure someone away. Because the person hasn't been simulated and all of a sudden they're simulated. And if they're not, you know, that clear on right or wrong, they may think, well, what harm is there in that? Or they may be able to let ego talk them into it and make it look great and no one will ever know and all of that. But when we are not trapped in our relationships, when we feel that solid thriving, that solid connection, that having each other's backs, someone coming in will not be able to because that nucleus is a thriving, living, growing, breathing organism in your life. Most people who step out of a relationship don't step out for sexual reasons, even though that's what it looks like. They step out for emotional reasons. And that's something we need to be honest about. It's easy to get mad at people for everything else, but we need to be honest that emotional connection is the true bond. You guys, I have 10 seconds. I can't, this show was like five minutes. I will see you tomorrow on Dream Theme Thursday. Have a great day. You have been listening to today's daily dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.